Hey y'all, it's Brittany. And we are back at it again with a very special episode of our Quibi show, The Nod with Brittany and Eric. Every weekday, we're bringing you a quick, concentrated hit of all things Black. A new episode of The Nod drops on the Quibi app every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. And each Quibi sign-up comes with a 14-day free trial. For today's episode, we're delving into a topic that has been on all of our minds recently, police abolition. As calls to defund the police have gotten louder, questions have risen about what a world without police and prisons actually looks like. This conversation often happens in the media between journalists and talking heads, but we thought it was important to talk to a person who's been fighting for abolition before it became the talk of every cable news program. We hope you like this episode. We certainly learned a lot. At the time of this recording, 1,017 people in the U.S. have been shot and killed by police this past year. And as the numbers continue to grow, it's got many questioning why we even need cops in the first place. But the question of abolishing the police also makes a lot of people nervous. So today, we're going straight to the source and talking to an actual abolitionist, Bilfina Yawan. It's an important conversation that you don't want to miss. This is The Nod. We've heard it all before. Give cops body cams, it'll hold them accountable. Cops just need diversity and bias training. We need community policing, black police. We need brown police. But as the years roll by and efforts at reform are showing no signs of stopping the brutal violence against black people in this country, a different call is gaining traction. It's the call to abolish the prison industrial complex, which is made up of prisons, policing, and surveillance in all forms. Contrary to what a lot of people believe, this isn't a new school of thought. It's been around since the 80s, and it's been embraced by people all over the world. Much of what we know about it today has been studied, practiced, and built upon by three Black women we have to mention. Angela Davis, Ruth Wilson Gilmore, and Mariam Kaba. Today, we're joined by Bilfina Yawan, a Baltimore-based restorative justice practitioner who writes about abolition and how to practice it in our community. Bilfina, welcome to The Nine. Thank you so much for being here today. It's awesome to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, abolition. What is abolition? Essentially, when we talk about abolition, what we're saying is that a world not just without the physical presence of police and prisons, but a world where we all have our needs met in a way that we do not have to commit the crimes that land us in prisons and with policing, right? And so abolition forces us to completely reframe how we think about the concept of prisons and police and to be honest about the history of it. Prisons were created as an alternative to slavery. It says so in the 13th Amendment. And so when we look at that, that violent and genocide history of policing and prisons, what abolition says is it's not possible for us to have a world where these dynamics exist. So, you know, I, I'm sure we've all seen a lot of the back and forth in the media and even just in online conversations about what's reformist mm -hmm. versus what is abolitionist. Mm -hmm. What sorts of things are absolutely out of the question? Reformists believe that we can have a world where prisons and policing exist we just have to make it better. Mm. And abolitionists believe that is not possible. We have to completely get rid of it and create new systems and structures. How did you come to abolition personally? Like, how did this become part of your life? I identify as a womanist. Uh, I came to womanism during college, specifically my sophomore year of college. And as I began to understand what it means to exist as a Black woman in this world, I understood the system and structures that are against us. 
I think a lot of people don't understand that. The reform to slavery was prisons. The reform to slave catchers was police. And so when you, I, had, I sat with that truth as a womanist, as a former refugee, as an immigrant to this country who hold that experience, it was not possible for me to say, I love blackness and not become an abolitionist. You know, something else um, that's near and dear to your heart and also the work that you do is the story of Keith Davis Jr. Talk to us a little bit about mm -hmm. Keith and his story. So Keith Davis Jr. Um, is a 28-year-old black man from Baltimore who was shot at over 40 times by the Baltimore Police Department in June of 2015. He's being accused and they're saying that a gun that was found on Keith was connected to a murder. Hmm. In March, he was sentenced to 50 years in prison wow. after five years and five trials. Um, and it's just been an ongoing case that for the five years that we've dedicated to his wife, I always bring her into the space, Kelly Davis. He has four beautiful children, Peyton, Chloe, Amari, and Jaden. And his case is so connected to what was happening in Baltimore after 2015 and after the murder of Freddie Gray. Talk to me a bit about how Keith's life and story relates specifically to your abolition work. Where Keith's case is connected to abolition one, it forces us to see Keith's humanity beyond what he did as a child. Keith's uh, interaction with the criminal justice system started very early. And what we know is that it was a result of all of the conditions that came with Keith's birth, his story, his parents, his poverty, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, Keith found himself funneled into a system that once you've been in there, it's easier to keep coming back. Mm. If someone commits a crime, we have to ask ourselves, if the core necessities of somebody is not being met and instead we're throwing them in a cage where the cage is actually more violent and transform them in, into an even more violent person. Mm. With Keith's case, what we've seen has been a blatant disregard for any kind of laws, any kind of good faith. And what we saw for the past five years is lies and lies and lies. And it confirms again that we cannot possibly rehabilitate a system that has no accountability. Anytime these conversations come up, there are two kind of common questions that pop up. What's gonna happen if you just get rid of all police? And then also, what do we do about rape and murder specifically? I think it's absolutely absurd because if we look at the numbers and the stats, police officers actually commit way more crimes than people are willing to talk about. Domestic violence stats tells us is that officers, police officers, their family actually experience higher domestic violence situations than any other families. And so when we begin from this place, what it forces us to do is to be honest and say, are we actually concerned about taking the murderers and the rapists and the killers? Because if we were, we would begin by addressing the fact that the very murderers and rapists and killers that we fear are wearing badges. Belfina, it's interesting that you bring up the term accountability because imagination and calls to be imaginative are often at the core of abolitionist work. Could you talk to us mm -hmm. about how and why imagination is so central to the work that you're doing and thinking about a different future? The first part of liberation is mental liberation, right? Hmm. You are not free until you believe you are free. Hmm. Lucille Clifton has a quote, she says, if you cannot imagine, you cannot create it. And so I think a lot of people are going through phrases where it's like, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And yet we still have what Toni Morrison calls the white gaze. And you still have whiteness and white supremacy on your shoulder 
still monitoring everything that you say. Hmm. What imagination does is forces us to say, who am I outside of bondage? One of the biggest things that black people do is we underestimate white supremacy. Understand that all of these systems have to fall for freedom. For people who might not quite be there yet, who are interested but want more information to get behind the idea of abolition or, or even just to learn more, are there any uh, books or organizations that you would recommend or shout out to as, as a good place to start? So there's a police abolition zine um, that is on my website uh, in my online library that can be found at goldwoman, and that's woman with a Y, dot com. And then it says Bofina's online library, and you will find over 50 free PDFs text that covers prison abolition. Bofina, thank you so much. It's been thank amazing you. to have you on today. Thank you. And I know that I personally have learned a lot. So we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for watching. But tell us, did this episode expand how you think about prison abolition? Hit us up on Twitter at The Nine Show and let us know your thoughts. It's a really important conversation. And we'll see you next time on a new episode of The Nine.